Hello and welcome to the Good Growth Podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking about diversity in business, specifically looking at the representation of women and the LGBTQ plus community in the workplace and in leadership positions, uh, as well as the influence businesses can have by actively promoting diversity and inclusivity. We'll be relating this back to the personal experiences of both my guests today, colleagues of mine at Good Growth. We have Principal Consultant Francesca Bateman and Senior Consultant Tori Hermione-Baker. A warm welcome to you both. Hi, Dan. Hi, Dan. Delighted Thanks for having us on. Uh, and how are you? You all good? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, nice sunny day. I can't complain. Beautiful. Yeah, well, you're down in sunny Cornwall as well, so that is a great place to be. Tori, I want to start, if you can, by just giving us a sort of an overview about who you are yourself um, and your career to date. Great, thanks, Dan. Um, so a bit of background who I am. I, I'm a big part of the LGBTQ plus spectrum. Um, I'm an openly transgendered gay woman, um, which uh, is quite a mix and sometimes not always completely understood in terms of me being both transgendered and gay, um, which it's caused some issues. We'll talk about some of those as we go through. I've been knocking around in digital for about 20, 22 years now. Um, started as a professional musician, uh, ended up into mobile content and then into a raft of product uh, roles, um, project management roles, um, uh, content roles. Uh, I've uh, gone from um, uh, the advertising and marketing industry where I spent probably about 10 to 15 years of my early career. Um, into some big kind of high profile roles in products, uh, leading WPP globally with 10th Avenue, and then into uh, Parliament uh, as the Director of Digital Transformation for just under two and a half years. Um, uh, took a sabbatical, uh, which has brought me uh, to my, my current career at Good Growth. And um, yeah, well, I'm being a wealth of diversity and experience as well as my diversity as an individual. So how would then you define an employer or a business that is diverse and inclusive from your perspective? Um, of course, yeah, it's, um, I, I guess I can go back to the terminology really, like a, a diverse inclusive workplace is not only one that represents workers from different backgrounds, and when I mean different backgrounds, I mean all different backgrounds, I mean we're all diverse in some different ways, and it's all about life experience, um, and our life experience shapes us, but it's also one that kind of provides the support that they need to help them perform their best, um, so it's all around creating a workspace where every employee, um, I guess, feels safe, uh, feels accepted, um, and those things are essential for a successful business. Um, when you are able to be your true self and be um, and not be restricted by any kind of um, forms of, uh, I don't know, um, biases or controls, or it's when you're at your most creative and your ability to kind of do your best work, your best thinking. Um, I was always a creative thinker, but being able to be myself is um, not only uh, taking me to another level, it's um, taking my work to another level, the kind of projects that I work on. I'm, so I'm very grateful really um, but it's also around creating a workspace where every employee feels safe and it's easy just to kind of hitch onto that kind of diversity bandwagon and just be uh, it's uh, it's all around like the statements that we put out and the things that we do it's, it's more than that it's in your actions it's in how you support your employees um, and how you bring those diverse people together to create real difference um, it's big things really. Uh, and Fran, same question to you. Can you give a, a bit about uh, an overview about yourself and uh, your sort of career to date as well? Yeah, sure. So I am first and foremost a mum of two beautiful girls. I lived in London for about 20 years and worked a lot for a really long time in lots of different types of companies, client side, um, agency side, 
um, mostly headed towards digital. But um, I started out as a scientist, an environmental scientist um, from a training perspective and fell in love with um, marketing really through accident, through people that I knew from a career progression point of view. Um, and my first jobs really were covering all the basics. So I think I did a bit of sales and I started the early part of my career really working in what were termed then below the line agencies. So running promotions and became quite expert at running things like fantasy football for the Daily Telegraph and things like that. Um, I then moved pretty swiftly and got a great job at Virgin where I ran a lot of promotions got them stocked into different stores, worked the group for lots and lots of great prizes. But the highlight there was running a big music festival, V97, V98, things like that. Um, and then moved into startup world and became a mobile specialist from about 2000. So before the iPhone in an era of WAP. Um, and I think possibly that's where Tori and I started to probably overlap. But I was in um, Europe's first mobile marketing startup called One Two Snap. We worked for all of the big brands running mobile campaigns and swiftly moved through into different se sectors. So the carrier sectors, things like Vodafone, where I worked in another startup. And then I think the biggest jump I made was back into agency side. So after I had the kids, I went into Dentsu and reorganized their kind of mobile offering across creative media areas. And then into WPP, where I was a digital transformation expert. So I worked a lot on Unilever. So that's that's the kind of potted history, a little bit diverse, um, really with mobile and digital at the heart of it in the latter latter stages. Uh, I put the question to Tori how she would define an employer that's uh, uh, diverse and inclusive. And I think what the, the sort of key takeaways from that was that, you know, to make you feel safe, accepted and allow you to be your true self. So converse to that, where, where do you, from your experience, have you seen employers or businesses often slipping up in, in actually failing to provide a workplace that is diverse and inclusive? Well, I think um, I can answer this probably best through the lens of being a mum. And I would say that certainly until very recently, until really COVID hit, I certainly always worked at businesses that had an absolute requirement for presence in the office and were still repeatedly challenged. So despite the fact I was often working <clears throat> on quite international clients, often with Asia. So, you know, getting me up early in the morning to do calls from sort of 6am would be the most valuable to get the best out of the day. But yet I was requested and required to come into the centre of London to sit in an office, which was a lot less um, progressive, I think, than it could have been. So I would say that's one of the key areas is this sense that you had to be present to be um, effective. And I think we've all learned now that that's not really necessarily the case and certainly didn't give mothers the kind of flexibility that they would need to do a great job and be, you know, at work, but also be a great mum. So I would say that's the biggest area, I think, which was disappointing having kids over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Yeah, uh, Tori, can I bring you in on that as well? Where, where from your experience, have you seen employers and businesses slipping up here? Um, loads, and I, I think uh, Francesca said um, a lot of great things there. Um, it's often in the lack of understanding, uh, the lack of policy, um, the lack of empathy, of understanding from different perspectives, uh, and sometimes not enough voices or the right voices writing those policies to really drive change. 
I, I mean, I've fallen foul and victim of many policies that just haven't been fit for purpose or suited, um, as I've seen uh, many other women in business and many other LGBT plus Q um, plus uh, colleagues also feeling falling quite foul. Um, so often it's just a lack of understanding, a lack of empathy and um, too much bias in those decision points. Yeah, Fran, just to bring you in then on your, you've talked about your career there as well. Uh, You've held a number of sort of senior positions uh, and you've worked with clients over the last sort of 15, 20 years or so. How different both uh, internally and externally then from, from your perspective working with clients, how different is the makeup of a, of a senior or a leadership team now versus then? Um, is it different even? I don't think it's changed very much at all, if I'm really honest. I mean, I think there's, um, I think when I talk to friends who are trying to sell their businesses at the moment, which there, there are many, um what you're seeing from a kind of a venture capital perspective is that that if that diversity box isn't ticked and similarly you know it's the diversity box and then it's also um the kind of the environmental impact so if those two boxes aren't ticked that's almost more important than the revenue in some of these kind of sales conversations um, you know to sell businesses at the moment it's quite bizarre but I would say when I look at most of the kind of senior teams that we work with, I would say women are represented through the business. But when it comes to a senior level, um, they're just not at the table still. It's a very great minority. Um, I don't think that's a surprise to anybody to, to hear me say that. I suppose you are one of those minority. Um, what particular challenges were you facing 15, 20 years ago uh, that you had to overcome? Um, and again, do any of those challenges still persist today? Well, I think there was a lot of analysis of um, there was an era where everybody was analysing the kind of makeup of teams based on, you know, Myers-Briggs, based on kind of aptitudes and character and things like that. But the reality is that um, the behaviours, I think, required to be at that sort of senior table, they are very kind of corporate kind of learned behaviours, which have been ingrained for years. It, it is still in a lot of places, very much a boys club um, at that level. There's a lot of conversations um, happening behind the scenes, a lot of networking going on behind the scenes. It's just not happening in the kind of classic meeting forums where you would expect things to be able to be debated. So I would say that the biggest challenge is actually being in the right conversations, even when you think you might be. There's so much going on behind the scenes in these kind of, in these kind of networks, in my experience. So a lot of sort of informal, off-the-cuff conversations that you're often uh, excluded from? Yes, I think so, um, in general. Uh, Tori, I, I want to put the same question to you, actually. What, what, what sort of challenges were you facing um, as a trans woman? And again, how have, have you been able to overcome them? Or again, what are, the, what are those challenges uh, are still persisting today? Um, it's a great question, Dan. Uh, many, actually. Um, and uh, I concur completely with what Francesca just said. Uh, there's, there's often the case that there's an impenetrable friendship group that sits around senior management. Um, also, being a senior leader, trying to enter those conversations sometimes has been almost impossible. Um, but I've, uh, to talk about some of the main challenges, um, I've been one of the first to step on many boards, um, and what I mean there, from one of the, someone one of the, one of the first to take those steps into some of those environments, and often those boards weren't fit for purpose and they've broken below me. Um, but it's at times having to be the first to go through some of these situations has been um, traumatic. I could probably say, um, 
there's also um, I've experienced a lot of tolerance, but very little acceptance. And, and that's both in a uh, workplace environment, especially from senior leadership, um, but also from a life perspective. Um, a lot of people will be tolerant to you after a while, but they will never truly accept or never really understand where you're coming from. Um, other treatment that I've kind of been through in, in terms of things like exclusion, I've been excluded a lot. And I mean, from little things like Christmas parties or um, and all the basic things that make you feel like you're part of a team. Um, I've been called out for mistakes more than other people would be called out just because I'm different to be made a sample of. Um, I've been made to do um, most things that I've had to do unsupported. So I've had to go through a lot of my process from coming out to a whole network of people across thousands of people on my own or um, being set up to fail is another one that I've experienced a lot that people will put you in that position, but they don't really expect you to get anywhere. So they put barriers up against you. Um, so a lot of the time I'm having to break through those barriers or break through glass ceilings. Um, and what I said before was uh, policies just are not fit for purpose. Um, I mean, I've experienced lots of policies that have just dropped below me and failed completely just because they've not been thought about. And sometimes having to be the first to go through those policies and uh, to be the kind of, I don't know, go through the baptism of fire, so to speak, um, it's been, yeah, it's been horrific. Uh, I've also experienced uh, open discrimination um, and sometimes without people realising it um, or people realising sometimes not, or not realising who I was. Uh, being a very senior leader in parliament at times I, I was experiencing really open discrimination and then I walk into the meeting as the lead director and all of a sudden they were like oh wow um, and then attitudes would change quite quickly I've had that discrimination from um, politicians through to politician staff and and then when they realized who I was it was a very different story um, so it's funny sometimes that um, people just don't think before they do things yeah and people changing their perceptions based on your uh, I suppose status in terms of your leadership position so you've told us a bit there about the, the personal challenges um, that, that, that you faced. Have you seen much of a shift then in that mindset uh, over time from employers or from businesses and colleagues uh, around that? Yeah, great question again. Um, it's uh, yes, in terms of visibility um, and some of the basics, uh, that is changing. Um, so people... I mean, there's now uh, open celebration of different diversities in many businesses and little bits are changing, but um, many businesses still talk a good game, um, but they don't live and breathe it. I mean, there's no real core mission or core purpose. I, I was very lucky to work in Parliament because we were there and diversity was very well supported due to the fact that um, we had a core mission of um, we're all coming together to create a better world. Um, so diversity was welcome. And uh, actually there was more senior leadership women in, in, in post than there was men. So we made a huge effort to be representative of the population that we served. So that was a slightly different mission, but I do not see that mission in other businesses. Um, today they don't live and breathe it. Um, with colleagues, uh, a bit of a yes and no. I, I, I can't tell you the amount of times that I've opened my voice for the first time or spoken and then seen that shocked face of just like, whoa, like, who are you? Um, and it takes a little bit of time then for that tolerance to kind of settle and people to be all right, oh, you, you're really good at this, or that's okay. And, and then people start to accept you a little bit more. Um, mm. But I mean, I've, I've had lots of open abuse in, uh, and discrimination that I faced in by colleagues, senior and junior at different levels and different businesses. And so, yes, it is changing. Um, is it changing fast enough? I'm not sure. And I don't think many people still understand the struggles that um, diverse people really go through from all diversities. Yeah, I think it's a McKinsey report that identified that trans women are most likely to feel a sort of sense of loneliness in the workplace. You've mentioned quite a lot of personal challenges there. How, how do you overcome those? How do you get through those? Because it's like you say, if you are fighting a lot of those battles on your own, it's not easy. 
Um, great. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, you know, I actually agree. I, I've been incredibly lonely in some environments and felt like I was on my own and isolated. And the way I've got through that is to to be brave, um, to fight forward, to break free barriers, um, and sometimes not to look back. Uh, just understanding that I, I have to break through. I have to fight. Sometimes I have to be the first, but also supporting others. Um, so bringing others into the fold, um, supporting others, being open, being kind, and often fighting um, uh, hatred with kindness, um, just being the bigger person, like pushing through. Um, and to be honest, it, it has been hard, but it doesn't mean it's not unachievable. Um, you've both worked together before prior to Good Growth. Uh, Francesca, firstly to you, what stood out for you when observing Tori in the workplace and making sure her voice was heard as loud as any others in the workplace? What have you noticed about what Tori does so well? And I'm going to put the same question to you, Tori, in a moment. Okay. So um, I think from from my point of view with Tori, she's the most incredibly well-prepared person um, that you could walk into a meeting with. So she will have thought through everything um, so that under no circumstances is there very much that could be challenged about the facts that she's about to deliver. They are, you know, very well thought through and very carefully presented as you're seeing today. So from my point of view, I think really Tori's power is really ensuring that she's got all of the the, the basics right every time. So she's always presents with with great kind of certainty with the information that she has. And I think that's that's been really powerful for her, just being such an authority, really. And I'd say one other one other point I would actually add also is that she is super focused in terms of how she delivers things and how she works with others to do that with kind of empathy and consideration as well. So I think given that a lot of the work that she does and often even within our own internal team is around innovation and thinking about things in a new way, she's a really good mix of kind of being assertive um, and authoritative about the particular topic, but also um, has the patience, I guess, to lead people through the journey, or take, take them on a journey so they, they understand, you know, the benefits of where we're going. So there's a mixture really of all kind of authority in there, but also a little bit of empathy, which I think you need, certainly in these kind of newer areas to, to lead people forward with confidence. So it's, it's good leadership skills. Some really great qualities. Tori? Oh, um, thank you, Francesca. <laughs> yeah, that's super kind. Um, but, uh, Francesca is one of the strongest people that I've met um, in any, uh, and one of the cleverest and understated. Um, and I've uh, often uh, reflected on just how much she brings, how much value and how much more value than uh, people expect or are expected in the jobs that we do. Um, ability to work with senior leaders um, astronomically and just understand their needs, um, understand what they require and really um, then break that down and be able to deliver that back to a team to be able to achieve that outcome. Um, I've seen colleagues and um, as well as businesses, as well as clients, grow substantially uh, under the reign of uh, Francesca. Um, but most importantly, it's, um, yeah, it's just the support we've been able to give to each other in different ways, I think, over time. I mean, I've always tried to support, listen, give different opinions, offer reflections, um, give my time freely and support not just Francesca, but other female colleagues. Um, and Fran Francesca has done this brilliantly for me, and I try and do it for her as much as also um, being able to make them uh, to open questions uh, back to an individual within a, a different kind of audience space, get a different opinions to come in and um, uh, to almost create the space to have voice. Um, and I, I can't tell you the amount of times that Francesca's done that for me. 
and in an ability when uh, it's been a dominated conversation suddenly to be given space and time um, is a, a rarity and I can only be very thankful for that. And you both uh, in each other have highlighted qualities of inclusivity I think I think Fran around the sort of empathy that Tori has, Tori around Fran in terms of bringing other people into the conversation. Um, Tori you touched a little bit earlier around examples of uh, businesses perhaps offering tokenistic gestures if you like of, of championing diversity and inclusivity uh, can you think of some examples where, actually, well, firstly, where brands have actually done that quite well and are passionately and actively promoting this? Or, and again, can you delve a little bit deeper into into some examples of what a more sort of self-promoting campaign might look like? Yeah, of course. It's um, uh, from my perspective, it's it's all about getting rid of external perception. So external perception shouldn't be about your. Uh, everyone has a brand and everyone has values and some um, external perception. Uh, you, it should really come from um, internal, um, uh, almost emanation, like it, it um, being so good internal that it comes out of you. Um, that you actually live and breathe the um, the nouns. You turn those two um, adjectives into actions, um, and that perception then becomes about everything that you are versus a kind of a brand perception. And um, I don't know, taking a logo and changing a logo once a year through to. Um, uh, using products to kind of gain the pink dollar or um, looking at ways to shortcut things to make yourself look good. Um, but the reality, when you start to lift away the kind of uh, what's really there, um, there's nothing much there behind. And actually, some of those organizations that do those things treat their employees incredibly poorly. Um, I can give you a really good example and I can give you just some bad ones, I think. Um, one of my, you know, I one of my favorite examples is actually Sainsbury's, and I uh, I don't mind talking about this one openly. Um, now I, I was openly abused in one of their stores uh, by one of their staff over ten years ago, um, and actually wrote to them uh, actually just to go actually, well, you know, this is unacceptable for any anyone. Um, and actually, the lady that had actually abused me was actually very diverse herself and just didn't quite get it. Um, but I had a, a really serious response from the CEO and. But over that time, and he came back with a very apologetic letter, we talked through the problem and we kind of lift the lid on it a little bit. Um, I think that actually helped them start to think about where they were going as a brand, what they required. Um, now, 10 years on, I see them as a, a wonderfully evolved environment uh, that not only embraces um, LGBT and different colours, and it's really healthy for their employees. I see a very diverse now um, understanding and a very diverse team all around them. Now, I enter those stores and I feel welcome all of the time. I feel included. Um, I feel... Um, treated well I, I i mean the colors are everywhere every year those kind of things and actually going from where they were 10 years ago and going on that journey themselves and going through this kind of long thing that they come out as a really positive brand that actually emanates um uh, from the internal outwards into um, acceptance and that's a very strong position and as a, an employee of business or as a, a brand they're all the things that I would want to be a, a brand that lives their values a brand that um, turns those nouns into actions um, that are no longer like a description of what they do they are what they do uh, I think that's fundamentally important um, from the bad one I, I I don't think I should name too many names mm -hmm. but I mean, there's so many out there um, the pride logos and the colors every year uh, it's been boiling my blood for over a decade um just seeing that kind of uh, underrepresentation and knowing how bad they are for some of their employees and how uh, uninclusive they are but then still have the right to kind of use their um use colors and make themselves look like they're an inclusive brand is a big no-no um the products and exploitation of the pink dollar as well as a bad one um so there's a lot of products that come out every year just to kind of gain more money or kind of uh, cash in off the back of pride or and prize there as a, a, a celebration of difference and 
Uh, some people still don't understand why we have pride today. We have pride because we struggle and actually we struggle to find pride in ourselves all year or the, the kind of the situations we go through. Um, so actually having pride is our ability to kind of push through the barriers and say, actually, we don't care. Um, and I see a lot of exploitation of that pink dollar every year. Um, but I think the worst one that exists is actually the discrimination that still exists in many creative advertising and commercial businesses. Um, I mean, it's quite frankly still quite disgusting and, and it generates from a lack of understanding and biases and an and unyielding will to change. Um, and actually that's still from the bias all the way through the kind of senior leadership all the way down and that filters down. Um, so I think there's still some so many bad companies out there today, Dan, and so much change that's still required. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's simply, I mean, you're defined by the action you take beyond just, like you say, slapping a logo on. Um, it, what action are you taking behind that? And, as you point out there, there's a lot that have a lot of inward facing problems uh, themselves. Francesca, bringing this back to the business and how can actually having a diverse workspace and leadership group benefit employers in, in their decision making? There's a, there's a lot of advantages to having a, a diverse workplace for the employer. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we in terms of the output from every company, when I mean, we talk about Tories talked about, you know, this idea of, you know, what do brands say, but then what do they do? And um, from an output perspective, from different, whether it's creative teams or different brand teams, there's a really massive difference in terms of what you would get if you start thinking about things through a different lens. You put, you know, female creators, more diverse creatives on um, a piece. And, you know, obviously I worked for a really long time on a brand which really championed um, unstereotype. Sometimes it felt a little bit li literal, but trying to shift um, you know, from having more representative sets of people into advertising um, and the propositions you know, meet the requirements, it was, was really good. So I see the benefits of the output from, from these businesses. In terms of how does it feel um, in, ter in terms of being in that team and trying to drive that diversity? I mean, I was, the last business I worked in suddenly popped up. I mean, I'm an older woman. They pro suddenly popped up with a menopause policy, which was, um, and I said, well, what does this actually mean? And um, they said, well, you could, you could renegotiate your contract. And I thought, well, that's good. You know, you could, you know, work from home more. You could, you could, you know, and they look, talk through all of the different symptoms that menopause could have. So, you know, your inability to concentrate as well, for example. So if you went to your manager and said, I think I'm a woman of, you know, who might be going through menopause at the moment, these are, are going to have a load of challenges possibly coming my way. You could start to actually fundamentally change your way of working in terms of what that changed in terms of what there was in the office, they said, well, we could give you a fan, <laughs> which I thought was good, just to keep you a bit cooler, <laughs> which made me giggle. But um, no, so there are, you know, by having women who are driving these sorts of policies, I mean, I mean, I, I don't mean to make this sound trite because it's, a, you know, a significant problem for lots and lots of women in workplaces, you know, the, you know, sl sleeping badly, a whole host of different um scenarios coming off the back of those symptoms so it's it's really important to actually do something about it it's, it's great to sort of as Tori says have a policy anyone could have a policy um, but actually to translate that into actions I think can make a really significant difference to the people who work in these sorts of environments um, so I would say having a more diverse you know, set of people championing but be at the output or the way you're internally you know uh, employees are actually feeling 
um, working in the business is really important. And, you know, we shouldn't forget, you know, age diversity. It's a massive issue in the creative marketing industry. You know, neurodiversity, when you're starting to work in different types of teams, um, you know, different people with different types of strengths and weaknesses in different areas. How do we bring that in? And then good old class diversity, because, you know, believe it or not, super easy to get in if you're recommended into lots of these interesting environments to work in. But if you don't have those connections, just how do you break through? So I think, you know, the age and the neuro and the and the class stuff is really, really interesting as well. And I think there's a lot more we could do to bring people through and, you know, help them qualify and help them gain the confidence, really. Um, as just the first step in their career. I think all businesses should have a little bit more of a focus on that. That's a really good answer. Thank you, Fran. Um, so I just want to finish. A lot of what you've both said will, will resonate with a number of our listeners. Francesca, to you first, what advice would you give to anyone who, who may feel they might not be able to fulfil their potential um, in the workplace because of their gender, their age, their race or ethnicity? Well, I'd say, I mean, I'd say in, in theory, that's nonsense. But the reality is that if you find yourself in an environment where you can't fulfill your potential, the right thing to do is to move. Um, I think it's really difficult for one individual to, um, especially in the early stages of their career, to really kind of fight against a system. So there are, I would say, hopefully plenty of places out there that could give you a much better opportunity. So I would say, you know, move on. If you can't get the consensus and the support from the business, and you recognise that, be brave and, and try something different. Uh, Tori, would you like to build on that? Yeah, of course, loads. Um, and just to kind of reiterate on something Francesca said, the, the importance of all diversities is, is really key. Um, so I'm, all the different things that make all of us are. Like, I mean, I'm working class, I come from poverty, I've... Uh, I mean, I'm trans, I'm gay, I'm, I'm many different things, but we're all many different things. Um, and we should, that should always also be celebrated. Um, and as Francesca says rightly, there's many barriers to all of those, but there's many ways we can overcome those. Um, my biggest one is do not be scared um, and keep smashing through glass ceilings. Um, there are always going to be some that will be put in your way um, and don't be scared just to go through them. And as Francesca says, once you've gone through them, keep going. And actually don't be scared to move on if that's, that's what's required. Um, be willing to grit those teeth and work hard is my second one um now i am constantly promoted or um have been in all the different positions i've been in not because of my diversity but because of my work ethic because of my quality of my skills and actually uh, i've always led with my skills first and got broken free barriers by utilizing that and and the way i've done that is just to grit my teeth and work hard um and it, it won't work for everything sometimes we need to work smarter uh, than then harder but other times when it, there's no other way to win you, you just got to put the hours in um be wary also of positive discrimination i have seen lots in workplaces um and actually at times i've been i've had to call it out for what it is um so don't just be wary of um uh, negative discrimination but also positive um because it exists i've been given awards sometimes or put into positions because it made employers look better um so i've called them out for it and and sadly i have been one of those ones that has fought on my own i think francesca probably probably reiterated and seen some of that but it's also some of the importance of the fights that i've been through weren't just for me they were for others um female colleagues and other diversities um stay strong and support others so always support others and um what i mean there is uh, just be kind um, you will meet the same people again and again in different positions so always be kind and try and cure hatred with kindness um 
And the last one, just call people out when it's necessary. So just don't be scared. Um, if you need to call someone out, call them out for what it is. Just don't do it in anger or in, in, in fear. Um, do it in a way that's actually positive and can benefit others. Um, but just keep pushing through. Some brilliant takeaways there. Really enjoyed chatting to you both today. It's been awesome to have you on. Thank you very much, Tori Fran. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. See you soon.